Hi, everybody, and welcome to the podcast Fiction on the Mind. So today we're going to talk about horror fiction and why it is we, we just can't put the book down. Even if we're hiding under a blanket watching a movie, we keep watching the movie. We don't ever just turn it off. With me today is Dr. Clotilde Landé, Assistant Professor of French from the School of Languages and Cultures at Purdue University. Dr. Landé, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Dr. Landé, tell me about your research. To summarize, uh, I study the writing and translation of fear in imaginative fiction. So it includes uh, horror fiction, but also fantasy and science fiction. So, Dr. Lande, what is fear? Well, uh, fear is an emotion that uh, all human beings have. It comes usually from um, a real stimulus, mm-hmm. like a snake or something like right. that, and then your body and your mind react to that. Um, and it can also be uh, induced by your imagination when you're reading or mm-hmm. when you watch a movie. Or like when you fall asleep at night and your hand is hanging off the bed and you're terrified that something's going to grab it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what happens kind of biologically? You said it's a, it's a, an emotion that all humans experience by some stimulus. I mean, I, I think we all of our listeners have felt fear at some point. Can we, like, break it down to, like, uh, what exactly happens? Well, I, I'm, I'm not a, a scientist, so I will use, like, basic words. For example, you'll start sweating, mm-hmm. uh, your heart rate goes up, you may feel dizzy, things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, uh, what happens in your body is a reaction... Uh, that is often called fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So you either want to escape um, whatever you're afraid of, or you want to fight it. Mm-hmm. Right, we don't want to just sit there. So earlier you said the stimulus could be like a, a real thing in the real world, or mm-hmm. the stimulus could be your imagination. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting to me then is this fight or flight response that is an actual physiological, like, measurable thing that we experience based purely on something that doesn't exist because it's in our imagination. Yeah, and that's why... um, That's why with a a colleague in psychology, Mm -hmm. Dan Foley, we're conducting an experiment. Using EEG, we are measuring how the brain reacts when you read Mm -hmm. horror fiction. Interesting. So uh, we've only conducted a pilot study right now, and we are going into the second phase this fall, when you read a horrific passage, you can see uh, right frontal activity in the brain. And that's, that's the flight response. That's okay. the, what we call the withdrawal motivation. So you want to escape whatever you're reading. Mm-hmm. So there is a real reaction mm-hmm. from your body, that's from so your amazing. brain. Yeah. And um, so then, why don't we just take the book and throw it, and then run away from it, well, or fight the book? <laughs> that's the other thing that we found interesting is that apparently, from from the questionnaires that uh, participants filled out, uh, it seems that they wanted to know what would happen to the characters. Okay. So there's this this um, hmm. approach motivation as well. So that's mm-hmm. when the left frontal part of your brain lets up. So you, you see this kind of conflicted reaction in the brain happening when you're reading horror fiction or, uh, or psychological thriller or anything that, that mm-hmm. elicit fear. Yeah, that's super interesting. The first time I read The Shining, it was 
it was just an unnerving book to read. Mm-hmm. I can't say that it gave me nightmares, but I remember reading this and being like, this is, this is just freaky. Mm-hmm. But like, I just kept turning the page and then I would, I, I sat down and just read the whole thing. I would be upset when a chapter ended because I'd be like, well, I, I what's going to happen to Jack? What's going to happen to Danny? What's going to happen to all these people? So I, I very clearly remember thinking about the characters, mm-hmm. but also having this, this unsettling feeling of, this this is not right. Yeah. <laughs> Something is off here, and it's it's making me uncomfortable. Yeah, and apparently that's that's the whole uh, that's the whole process. And so something that we want to explore is uh, if you read like pure horror fiction where the characters are not developed, mm-hmm. do you still have this this approach mm-hmm. um, uh, response mm-hmm. to to the narrative or do you have only the withdrawal uh, interesting response that would be a really interesting thing because then that's getting into like empathy and mm-hmm. and exactly yeah and perspective taking theory of mind all of this because we're talking about approaching the characters and the yeah. narration and everything rather than just the scary part the scary part yeah so then why do you think that we keep consuming and producing this sort of horror fiction why do we like scary things well, you have several theories. One of the common ones is the catharsis thing. And then you have, in this study, the, the author is Matthias Klassen, uh, Monsters Evolve, a biocontrol approach to horror stories. According to him, we read horror fiction or watch horror movies because it's like a repetition or a training for potential real dangers. Yeah. Um, In that article, uh, just to read a quote here, he says, The fascination with monsters that many people, especially children, feel is probably the result of an adaptive tendency to pay attention to such dangerous agents and learn about their behavior vicariously. He later comments that it has all the benefits of learning about danger and one's own response to danger without the actual risk of real harm. Mm -hmm. So for this author... This sort of horror fiction is kind of like uh, like a training ground for real life situations. Yeah, and and the way I understand um, his article, and it, it kind of makes sense, uh, it's a survival question. As humans, uh, we need to survive, and uh, so even if you know we, we live in a country where it's pretty safe, mm-hmm. um, so we don't have any. Um, giant snake roaming the streets, but um, we may have other dangers like uh, mm-hmm. serial killers or things like this. Right. Maybe it's a good thing for the human race to keep in mind that the world is not as safe as it seems, <laughs> and so it's a good thing to keep some kind of training. <laughs> Absolutely. To, to remember that you are supposed to react to those real dangers and, uh, and also not react when the danger isn't real. Um, when you just you perceive something, but then in the end, the, the, the flight reaction or, or the fight reaction is not needed. I'm actually part of the, the category of people where he says, presumably some readers enjoy Stephen King's description of human interactions and mental machinations, mm-hmm. but wish that he would turn it down a notch on the scary stuff. I'm, I'm those kind of people. <laughs> we could actually, you know, the, the whole definition of genre, uh, what is horror fiction, mm-hmm. and 
uh, does Stephen King even write horror fiction? Uh, right. Does he write what we call in French fantastique, so mm -hmm. fantastic fiction, supernatural fiction, uh, mm -hmm. weird fiction, whatever you want to call it. And uncanny and psychological. Yeah. So the element of fear is important, but is it really gore? Is mm -hmm. it really bloody? Mm -hmm. Or is it just scary because of the implications? The author here also cites horror filmmaker John Carpenter as saying, What scares me is what scares you. We're all afraid of the same things. That's why horror is such a powerful genre. So for him, horror is a genre. Which is fine for for this context, but I think what's important here is is this element of fear that you mentioned at the beginning. It's this universal emotion. I disagree, actually, with what Carpenter says, or even what Klassen says, that we are all afraid of the same things. Mm -hmm. uh, because, for example, again, it would be a, a question of definition. But what I would consider as a French person, uh, fantastic fiction, so supernatural fiction. Mm -hmm. If I talk to someone from uh, an African country or Australian Aboriginal, for example, mm -hmm. they might call it magic realism. So what will scare me because of the impossibility of the existence of that phenomenon, for them, it will be normal. Mm -hmm. It will be natural. So they may be scared of what that phenomenon might do to them, mm -hmm. but they will not be scared of its existence. So I wouldn't say that we are all afraid by the same things. Mm -hmm. I think that's very well said because it's getting into like what is the uncanny yeah and that's a very relative mm -hmm. term yeah so what what is uncanny for one yeah. person i mean that changes from individual to individual especially from different cultures mm -hmm. so i i would agree that it's not the same thing um again going back to stephen king i've never been afraid of clowns but it's not it <laughs> yeah it is not just a clown yeah, it's, it's it that we're afraid of but people are terrified of clowns Mm -hmm. Just in general, like they won't go to the circus because they're afraid of clowns, mm -hmm. and that's not—that's not to say all clowns are it, from it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, I can understand why the idea of not being able to see somebody's face mm -hmm. uh, or somebody's facial expressions mm -hmm. can be um, fearful. But then the problem is uh, that you can play with that and uh, use this kind of fear to make people afraid of other countries. Because people, when they dress differently and you don't see their faces, then you can say, well, it's the same kind of fear than the clown fears. So it's, it's like um, in the show Black Mirror. So it's this, it's this TV series. It's a Netflix original. Um, that that kind of shows this dark, dystopic, technology-based future, but it's it's a very near future for humanity. Mm -hmm. So kind of exploiting um, like the the dark side of this coevolution of humans and technological dependence. Um, so in, in in one of the episodes, and it's an anthology series. So each episode is its own complete story. Mm -hmm. So you can watch them in any order. In one particular episode. Um, Soldiers of a country are implanted with uh, a type of augmented reality mm -hmm. that is to help them. This augmented reality helps them um, aim better. It, it makes them mm -hmm. a little bit stronger. It makes them understand, communicate better. They can they can do all sorts of things because whatever they perceive has this extra layer of mm -hmm. data mm -hmm. put over it. Um, so I don't want to give any, away any spoilers, obviously, 
but the, these soldiers are constantly fighting against this enemy of hideously disfigured um, people that don't speak the language of everybody else. They speak a different language. Um, they, they, they look very, very monstrous, and they're actually they're really frightening to look at. Um, but then it, it gets into this question of if we can manipulate someone's facial expression or hide someone's facial mm-hmm. expression or change someone's facial expression, we can make them into a monster. Back in this article, um, the author says, I mean, we talked about how um, experiencing horror in a fictional setting can be beneficial in real life because it, it, you learn about how your own body might react in a, a threatening situation. The author cites um, one reviewer, Wong, um, looked at the movie Jaws from 1975 okay. and said that they, they noted in the wake of the film that, quote, a mundane event like going for a swim at the beach just wasn't the same again. Just like so many people stopped taking showers after seeing the movie Psycho. The author continues and says, to cease showering is probably not very adaptive, unless one finds alternative means of personal hygiene, whereas showing a greater degree of vigilance while bathing in the sea, even if great white sharks very rarely attack people, could be a sensible strategy. And I don't see the lie here. I don't, I don't know what's wrong <laughs> with that statement. It makes perfect sense to me. And it's true that after I've seen the movie Psycho, if I'm taking a shower, I'm terrified of what's on the other side of the curtain <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Talking about all this, about uh, about Klassen's article, um, this, this sort of adaptive thing, this is getting into the impact of horror fiction. So we keep reading this, this horror fiction, or we keep watching these movies, we keep consuming them. So since we study literature, there's often this perception that we study, like, high literature. Mm-hmm. I'm doing air quotes right now for my listeners, mm-hmm. air quotes and high literature, um, whatever that means. And then we talked, you mentioned earlier, like, what is genre? Like, how are we even defining any of these things? Um, this, this kind of gets into this universal um, experience of fiction being maybe a simulation of social minds. It could be... Uh, a training ground for perspective-taking theory of mind, um, and this is a this is hinting again at the the social improvement hypothesis. Mm-hmm. So I would again suggest listeners to to keep an eye out for the social improvement hypothesis episode. But we can clearly see some real-world results with experiencing horror fiction because if people are more vigilant when they go to the beach because of the movie Jaws specifically, I mean that's a big claim. Mm-hmm. But it's not just because of Jaws specifically. It might be because of Jaws and because of um, all of the attention given to great white sharks being so violent and scary and Shark Week and this sort of cultural conglomeration of attention given to, to sharks and Jaws could definitely play a role in that. And so people are a little bit more vigilant at the beach and so we can see some correlation. It's very difficult, obviously, to say causality. We can't say this causes that, but we can definitely see some correlation in, in people being afraid of um, <laughs> taking a shower with a curtain and going to the beach in the summer. Yeah. It's true, but at the same time, I think it may be dangerous to draw these kind of conclusions because then um, it means that you can make people afraid of things that are not worth being afraid of. For example, the great white shark is not that dangerous to humans. I mean, but I agree. But but like getting back to the the, the clown the thing, clown right? Thing. It can make viewers afraid of different cultures. If you just take the clown, it, it makes 
people may be unnecessarily afraid of a whole profession. If like when children are afraid of doctors and dentists. Yeah, because the half their face is covered as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, same idea. If if you train children to be afraid of people who have their face covered for whatever reason, I'm not sure it's it can a be good dangerous. kind of training. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's why I'm not sure that it's it's a good thing to say that it's a good thing to read horror fiction because then you train yourself to be afraid of potential dangers because then... The creator of that fiction controls what you're afraid of. Yeah. So what conclusions can we draw from this? I think um, what, what you said earlier, there is some kind of impact in this exposure to, to horror fiction and to, to experiencing fear in a fictional setting. But that impact might be a negative just as much as it might be positive. So it might... It might make you more vigilant at a beach but it might also make you more hesitant around different people mm -hmm. yeah i think the idea of eliciting negative feelings whether fear or anger or horror into somebody just training them mm -hmm. to me if the if it's the only thing that you do it comes back to brainwash yes but you have to balance with with a romance novel. No, not too much of those either. <laughs> Otherwise, you have this completely wrong idea about the world. That's not good either. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah, in, in both cases, um, having grown up in different cultures, mm -hmm. we've been exposed to different things. And because of that, we have different reactions to those things. Even if we read... Um, the same books mm -hmm. uh, we didn't read them the same way right so and for example for you uh, maybe you know the wild is good it's like going camping with your family or things like that it would be the same for me if the wild is in France but the American wild <laughs> is just <laughs> so vast the rattlesnakes and scorpions it's, and yeah, bears so it's, and it's full of things that I don't know of and as always mm -hmm. what that's probably the only thing that scares all humans is what you don't know mm -hmm. The unknown is scary, but what is unknown to me is not unknown to you. Exactly. So, again, we are not scared by the same things. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Lande, for, for coming on Fiction on the Mind, the well, podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so I'm definitely looking forward to hearing the results of your research with studying brain activity and reading, uh, reading fiction. I think that's super interesting research. Um, for more information, I recommend uh, the, the listeners to check out the show notes. I'm going to have a bibliography of everything that we talked about, and that will be available on my website, rtylergabbard.com. Thank you.